someone else's journey is our lesson. We used to say, the difficult we do immediately, the impossible just takes a little more time. Someone else's lesson is our gift. I believe part of our responsibility is really to equip and inspire our students to ask those difficult questions. Be encouraged by the stories that lift us all. I came to Howard because I wanted to be the President of the United States. Somebody saw something in me, and it's my duty to be that person for somebody else. Now, join Dr. Wayne Frederick, President of Howard University, and his guest on The Journey. For more than 40 years, he has been one of the most pronounced voices on behalf of gospel music and commercial radio. Behind the scenes, he has brought together communities in need. On the air, his shows have calmed fears, inspired hope, and offered solace for several generations of Washingtonians. He's a radio legend and a son of Howard. Hello, I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today on The Journey is Premier WHUR Senior Producer and host of Gospel Spirit, Patrick Ellis. Welcome. Thank you. So, Thanks. Mr. Ellis, you were born right here, not just in Washington, D.C., but here in Freedman's Hospital. Tell me what your childhood was like at that time. Yeah, I was born here in Freedman, somewhere... <laughs> I don't know. I guess uh, the second floor, wherever obstetrics was, <laughs> back back in 1943. And uh, as a matter of fact, where we're sitting now in the studio, just across just across the hall, maybe I don't know, maybe 25, 30 feet across the hall, this was the emergency room where okay. we're sitting now. Okay. And I remember getting my first my introduction to sutures when i when i was a kid about 10 years old cut my finger and i was right in a room across the hall when they right. numb my finger up and stitch me up so that that was a segregated dc at the time what was it like growing up in terms of the schools you attended and and what you were exposed to yeah we lived in a in a sort of a lazy segregated southern dc town if you would and uh most things for black folks were segregated the schools were segregated the public accommodations were segregated um you know there were certain a lot of restaurants you where you couldn't eat uh one of the <clears throat> one of the drug uh i shouldn't say drug <laughs> one of the drug stores chains was called people's drug store which is now cbs and they had lunch counters well guess what we couldn't sit at those lunch counters. So it wasn't just the lunch counters in the South that we're familiar with yeah. uh, that were segregated. The lunch counters here were segregated. You couldn't sit at a lunch counter and drink a cup of coffee and have a donut. You could go down to the end of the counter and get something to carry out. So uh, restaurants and uh, theaters were segregated. We couldn't go to some of the theaters in downtown Washington. Uh, even got to the point where even some of... Uh, for example, taxi cab companies. It was known that Yellow Cab and Diamond Cab just didn't ride black people. Yeah. So if you were standing on the corner and you saw a yellow or a diamond cab coming down the street, you didn't even put your hand out to hail a cab because you know they didn't ride they didn't ride black customers. So yeah, it was a, it was a segregated city. Now, did you, growing up, in terms of entertainment and exposure to music, radio, and church? in terms of gospel um, exposure. What, what what were those things like in your time growing up? As a I really didn't grow up in, in being exposed to gospel music. I grew up in the Episcopal Church. And although nowadays just about every denomination you can think of has got a, you know, a gospel mm -hmm. choir. But I grew up in the Episcopal Church. So back then, in the 40s, when I was a kid growing up, you know, Episcopal churches were... 
they were very quiet. Yeah. A lot like the, you're from the Caribbean, a lot like the Anglican Church. Yeah. Things were, you know, things were very, very quiet and kind of stilted. And uh, so I wasn't exposed to gospel music. Uh, I guess I was in grade school, maybe about 10 years old. And uh, there was a friend of mine, a schoolmate, because I went to school at Mott Elementary School, which is right here. Well, now the corner of 4th and Bryan Streets is mm-hmm. a Howard dorm there now, but that's, that's where it. I went to grade school. So there was a school buddy of mine, and sometimes uh, he would come and spend weekends with me and vice versa. And So I was spending a weekend with him down here at 11th and W Street. There's a little grocery store on the corner, and after dinner we could go down there and you know get a popsicle or some candy or something like that. Well, there was this kind of storefront church next door, and I never will forget one evening we were coming from the grocery store, and these people were playing this music and these tambourines and these drums, and it was in the summer, so the, the windows were cracked, and we peeked inside. That was the first time ever that I had experienced uh, this uh, some some gospel music, but it wasn't something that that I grew up with, and it wasn't until later, when I was uh, when I was in my early years here at Howard, and went to New York one weekend to visit some friends, and they said, uh, "What would you like to do?" And I said, "I don't know." And they said, "Why don't we take you up to the Apollo Theater? There's this gospel show going on." I'm like, "Okay." And we went to the to the um, Apollo Theater, and it was a uh, Shirley Caesar and uh, a, a quartet group from Dayton, Ohio. And that's the first time I'd really seen gospel music professionally performed. But I didn't grow up with it. Right. Now, where did you go to high school, and what was that experience like? What were the things that you were interested in in high school? I went to I went to boarding school. Uh, I shipped out to boarding school uh, in the eighth grade. I was 13 years old. Actually, my folks tried getting me into private school here in D.C., um, in 1954, uh, Brown versus Board of Education mm-hmm. went down in 1954. My folks tried to get me into a private school here in D.C. in the fall of 1954 to enter in the seventh grade. Ironically, you know what the name of that school was? Sidwell Friends, oh. where the Obama girls, well, one of them still goes there. That's it. Sidwell. And they tried to get me into Sidwell. And uh, long story short, when my dad and I went up there on a Saturday morning on the same campus up on Wisconsin Avenue mm-hmm. for my interview with the headmaster, and we walked in, and they were like, oh. Because they had only communicated with my father by phone and maybe uh. writing some letters. And they didn't know. They said, oh, when they saw who we were. That's right. And they said, well, you know, we plan to, uh, we plan to go along with this board of... Uh, Brown versus Board of Education decision, but we're going to do it with all deliberate speed, so we're going to integrate kind of like year by year, starting in our primary grades. Well, by the time they got to the seventh grade, I'd be off to college. <laughs> so that didn't work, but I my guess. folks found an opening in a school called Westminster in a small town called Simsbury, Connecticut, about 10 mm-hmm. miles outside of Hartford. I'm very familiar. I okay. used to live in Farmington, Connecticut. Okay, in the Farmington River Valley, yeah. right, yeah. where they grow Connecticut shade tobacco, among other things. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, it's a small town, Simsbury, uh, Connecticut, and I went there, wound up going there for five years. It was a bit of a, well, I don't know whether I could, I'd say culture shock, but here again, he's talking about a, a young black kid who grew up in a segregated D.C., and then, oops, when I'm 13 years old, I get shipped out to a school 350 miles away from home, 
you know, at all white, all boys, private boarding school. And then I subsequently um, came back home and in 1961 and enrolled at uh, Howard. You're listening to The Journey. My guest today is Mr. Patrick Ellis. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. So tell me about Howard. Why Howard? There was an old expression that said you can either teach, preach, or heal. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why they threw the law out because back then we, we weren't talking about black engineers and professions like that. So anyhow, my mother always told me from the time I was this high, you know, that you're going to be a doctor, 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 doctor. So when I came to Howard, I enrolled in pre-med. So for about a year and a half, I took you know I took General Chem and some organic and some zo. And after about a year and a half, um, I guess I decided I don't, just don't think this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna work. Eventually, um, dropped out of school, and uh, got married. Started working. About five years later, so older, more mature, decided I need to go back to school and finish up. So I came back here, and eventually uh, finished up in the school of communications and uh, got a degree in, in communications. No, and what then led you to WHUR? It's more like radio came to me and I didn't go to radio. And I came back to school and studied communications, not really knowing what I wanted to do, but then um, maybe there was some divine intervention going on, but my, my sister-in-law at the time, Kay Lindsay, had worked in radio in New York, WBAI, and she came back, she's a Howard grad, she came back home to D.C., and found out about this new radio station that was about to launch at Howard. And she uh, interviewed and she got hired as as a producer at, at this new radio station. And she and I and some other family were literally sitting around the dinner table one Sunday evening in um, 1970, early 71. We're sitting around the dinner table one Sunday evening and Kay said to me, I'm working on a new program at the station why don't you come up and co-host this new show with me and I was like okay <laughs> and the next thing I know a couple of days later I'm sitting in uh, this this studio that we're in now is called People's Platform and 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 that was the name of the uh, interview studio in the original station down the street on 4th Street so a couple of days later I'm sitting in a studio sort of like this in front of a microphone no experience and I'm all of a sudden co-hosting a radio show <laughs> and uh, so I began to uh, get some on-the-job training if you would and began to, to learn the skills of broadcasting and um, I started I co-hosted that show and then I started producing another show and yet another show and another show and I was here and I was into it I was still finishing up school and still had a full-time job yeah. and um, so uh, my career began, unbeknownst to me, it was the beginning of what was going to become a 45-year career, and I actually worked here um, for four years as a volunteer. Tell us a little bit about the gospel spirit and, and how that evolved, and today, the impact it has on so many people. So many people this, we refer to it as their church. One of our former program directors, Jesse Fax, had always wanted me to be on the air. Because for the first seven years here, I was producing behind the scenes. And Jesse always wanted me to be on the air. And so he came to me one day and he said, um, 
How'd you, why don't you come in here on Sunday mornings and play gospel music? And I'm like, why don't I do what? Why don't I come in here on Sunday mornings and play gospel music? I said, Jesse, I'm not so sure about that. But then I thought about it for a while. And I said, well, you know, you've been behind the scenes producing for seven years. You've never had, uh, I mean, they, they throw me on the air every once in a while over those seven years to fill in for some announcer who didn't come in. Uh, but I never had my own show. And so I thought about it for a while. I said, well, you know, maybe this isn't such a bad idea because I could, uh, I could uh, maybe develop a new skill because I've never been the host of a show with my own audience and being behind the mic one-on-one with an audience. I would go around to uh, record stores and uh, church bookstores and find out what was popular and listen to people saying, oh, have you heard that latest tune by Walter Hawkins? And then a friend of mine, Vernice Watson, introduced me to a guy who had a small record shop up on 14th Street, 14th and Randolph. And uh, he, he, it was a combination record store and shoe, shoe repair shop, <laughs> but he had a lot of gospel music. So I would go in there and he'd say, hey, have you heard this, this new one by James Cleveland? And I'm like, no. He said, here, take it. And he'd give me these records because he knew if I played this music on the radio and people wanted to know, where can I get cards? He'd go right up there at 14th and Randolph right, right. to so-and-so's shop. And so I did this 30-day uh, primer, if you would, on gospel music, and the 30 days was up, and I was like, okay, let's let's give it a spin. So, you know, as, as we wrap up, uh, one of the things that you have certainly impacted um, is the community, mm-hmm. uh, and one of those major projects um, is one that I'm always happy to participate in every year, Food to Feed, which this past year raised about $80,000 right. um, to, to help the hungry and needy families around 100% of the donations go to the families. Tell me about that as we wrap up and, and about um, what that means to you as far as your imprimatur in terms of what you've left here at WHUR. Well, you know, we, we've been doing this now for about 40 years, this food drive. Years ago it was Project Harvest, now it's Food to Feed, and it's the station's uh, largest community service effort uh, of the year, the largest annual effort that we have here every year. And, uh, you know, our mission is to raise as much money and gather and collect as much food as we can to feed less fortunate people in our community. So I guess you could say it's kind of a hallmark of our community service here at, uh, at HUR. And we've been doing it for 40 years, and we've got a pretty respectable uh, track record. Thanks for being here. My guest today has been Mr. Patrick Ellis, WHUR senior producer and host of Gospel Spirit who has been a beacon of light for the community with his activities and his connection. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey. You've been listening to The Journey with Dr. Wayne Frederick on the Howard University Radio Network.